to the Q&A part of our lecture. Um, don't touch the front of your mask. Thank you very much. That's absolutely true. I have a problem with this face in many ways. Um, sick COVID-19 patients also seem to get masks. That's absolutely true. I believe the cytokine storm everyone's talking about really is inflammasome activation, which is why the IL-6 inhibitors work, which is why there are a number of trials going on right now um, using IL-1 inhibitors as well. Um, and so this really is macrophage activation syndrome, which is important because you, the rheumatologist, may be called into service when they don't know what else to do. And again, what else do you do? IL-1 inhibition, IL-6 inhibition, emipalumab, look it up. Um, it's important. I'm going to put some of these slides up um, as downloads uh, if you want to um, download the slides and have them as a reference. Uh, what else do you use after those? I would use a JAK inhibitor, probably tofacitinib, because I've seen data about tofacitinib and its, in, its, its uh, ability to inhibit uh, the interference, especially gamma interferon, which is probably why um, some, TNF, some JAK inhibitors have a high rate of zoster infections and others maybe less. Um, that might be a backup therapy in addition to atoposide. And patients with masks that are very sick in the ICU, um, has anyone given uh, etoposide and anakinra together? I've not seen it. I don't think you need to do it. I think etoposide is a more slow-acting medicine, anakinra a more fast-acting medicine. Obviously, I favor anakinra. I'm not a hematologist. When you call in the hematologist, that's what they're going to write for. Everyone else is either doing cyclosporin, a calcineurin inhibitor, or when a rheumatologist gets involved, um, we're going to do IL-1, IL-6, and now uh, gamma-fant or emipalumab. Um, is Stills disease antigen-driven or is it auto-inflammatory? It clearly looks to me to be auto-inflammatory. Um, there's very little evidence of it being an antigen-driven process. It doesn't have any auto-antibodies associated with it. Uh, it meets many of the characteristics seen in all of the other auto-inflammatory syndromes. Um, I, uh, Richard, that was... I. I, I I struggled with this question for many years, uh, and I, I truly firmly believe it belongs in the auto-inflammatory category. However, if that is true, then why isn't there not a gene? Well, partly because this is an acquired disorder, and most of the genetic monogenic disorders are there almost constitutively from birth or early in life. Um, and I think that uh, it's possible to have an acquired auto-inflammatory disorder. I mean, that's what we see in gout and Bichette's and sarcoid and even Blau syndrome, uh, Blau's being genetic, um, many of these developing even in adulthood. Um, David Knapp from uh, Tennessee says that a patient with clinical stills um, who does meet full criteria is a cult malignancy or infection or TB, a consideration that requires invasive testing like bone marrow biopsy or tissue biopsies. Really good question. I think that this day and age, you're more likely to get a consult in someone who's been fully worked up as opposed to coming to you, de novo, where you hospitalize them and you do the workup. Often they've been seen by ID and a hospitalist and maybe even other services and not uncommonly drives us crazy when we get called last to the table and people are butzing around not making a diagnosis that you can make in your sleep. So often that is done. I would say that, that a bone marrow um, biopsy and or aspirin could be a very important part of an FUO workup if cult, all cultures prove negative and it doesn't look like an auto-inflammatory or Stills disease diagnosis. I would consider that and or a blind muscle biopsy in some people, but I also am 
more likely to make the diagnosis if the patient meets criteria, then we can safely move forward. Criteria do, by the way, say you must have been worked up sufficiently and had infection and malignancy ruled out in those cases. Uh, can you tell me more about TRAPS? You know, it um, used to be called Hibernian fever. It is sort of uh, European descent individuals. Fevers can last as little as seven days and uh, use, but it's more like two to three weeks. Um, there is a periodicity. Um, they get a lot of the same features that you get with the other auto-inflammatory syndromes, which includes fever and rashes and crazy looking labs and systemic uh, manifestations. Like many of the auto-inflammatory auto syndromes, they also get a propensity to get secondary amyloidosis. That can be systemic amyloidosis or renal amyloidosis. And we know we say that amyloidosis commonly occurs on the other side of the pond in Europe and in the UK and in Israel, not so much over here. Well, I've seen a lot of stills patients. I've had two of my patients die with renal failure and renal amyloidosis. So amyloidosis occurs in the cryopyranopathies, caps, muckle wells. Um, uh, it also occurs in traps and many of the auto-inflammatory syndromes. What is your experience with IVIG and mass cytokine storm? I have none. I've seen some reports. I think it reflects frustration more than anything else. I'm frustrated by the use of IVIG. It's to me a bit, a bit voodoo late in the game. And I like to know a little bit more about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Yet there may be a good role for IVIG where? In refractory inflammatory myositis and I'll say in early skin uh, progressive systemic sclerosis. There's some trials going on in that. Um, and there's a few others, obviously, that many of you have known about. Um, uh, I missed this, but how does the rate of thrombo thrombotic events fit with mass vis-a-vis -vis COVID or stills? Um, thrombotic events are not typical in stills. DIC, sometimes with thrombotic events, have been described, rarely with hemorrhagic events. Um, I did describe this week a report, um, actually I didn't describe it, New England Journal described in a correspondence report of three cases of patients with thrombotic CNS lesions that were hemorrhagic and associated with IgA, anti-cardiolipin antibodies and IgG um, uh, beta-2 glycoprotein-1 antibodies. Uh, and these patients had encephalopathy uh, and neurologic deficits. Um, does thrombotic events occur with mass it's not high on the list, but I'm sure it occurs. I just haven't seen it that often. Um, next, would you consider a patient with intermittent fever for a few years and not daily fevers for genetic testing? If it, it truly is intermittent fevers and it fits that pattern of either three days of fever, seven days of fever, um, or uh, 14 to 21 days, and then they go into disease-free intervals, then yes, I would do genetic testing. I gotta tell you, I see a lot of Stills disease consults. I might see 20 uh, a year. I've probably seen hundreds in my career. And the number one Stills disease referral that I see is someone who thinks they have a fever when they really have fibromyalgia and they tell me that their fever is 100. That's not a fever. We're talking about a fever greater than 101 is what I, is, would be my cutoff for consideration of genetic testing. Actar gel, not unless you put a gun to my head, and I still would not do it. 
It's voodoo. It's not approved for anything. What's well, approved for some things. It's not been tested in anything. The company should do trials and diseases that wants to sell the drug. It's way too expensive. It, bankrupt, it bankrupted Rockford, Illinois. If you ask about Actar gel, I'm sorry, you get the brutal, honest truth. It's criminal to use it in this situation. All the other steroids work. Why would you use the most expensive one? What about Ilaris instead of Anakinra? Really good question uh, from John Tesser. John, how are you, buddy? Um, John, you should be giving these lectures. I'm going to call you. You're going to give one of these lectures. Um, Ilaris and Anakinra, I think it's a very good choice. I think the, the benefit of Anakinra is its weakness. It has a short half-life. It's got a half-life of six hours. So if you're treating Stills disease, you got to give the drug at night. Don't give it in the daytime. And if they're not responding, double the dose, especially a big person. Um, but the problem is, is the short half-life, but it also works fast. Almost everybody that's going to respond to IL-1 inhibition will probably respond uh, in the first day or two, if not the first shot. The longer-acting um, uh, canakinumab uh, may take a few days to really get a response, but it may be the better drug in the long run. So I am currently starting out with people in the hospital or new onset, severely active systemic disease. I'll give them anakinra. It's easy to get in the hospital, by the way. It's harder to get as an outpatient, as you well know. But then once they've been on daily injections with anakinra, then I would probably switch them over to a longer acting um, uh, agent. And um, Ilaris would be a good choice. Now, right now, there is no drug that's approved for adult stills disease. That's an IL-1 inhibitor. Um, the IL-6 inhibitor is approved. The IL-1 inhibitor, canakinumab, and um, I, I guess there's another one uh, that they are approved in kids over the age of two with systemic onset disease. I use that wording to try to get um, my IL-1 inhibitor approved in my adults saying they have systemic onset JIA, it just happens to be an adult, and they are over the age of two. Meets all other criteria and then you send them, you know, a, a wad of papers this thick showing that it does work. They'd actually have to approve it. Um, uh, Andres Caseno uh, asks, is methotrexate the first line medication for stills? What about anakinra as first line? Well, that's a great question because you are either um, being prudent about your therapeutics and expenses. You know, prior to the availability of, uh, and by the way, I want to say TNF inhibitors are not to be used in acute systemic disease. They don't work. They don't work. Save your TNF inhibitors for management of RA, chronic inflammatory polyarthritis. But acute systemic disease, prior to biologics, the treatment was high-dose steroids, and they don't respond to 20. They need one to two milligrams per kilogram. That means 40, 60, 80 milligrams a day and methotrexate because you want to do steroid sparing. And that worked at about half the patients. So Andres, using methotrexate would not be a bad choice. The problem is you will expose them to a longer period of steroid use. Now, on the other hand, the use of an IL-1 inhibitor is a quick empiric trial. It's sort of like one shot and boom, you have your answer as, or as to whether or not this is an auto-inflammatory diagnosis. Would methotrexate work in other auto-inflammatory diagnoses? Less commonly so. Would the IL-1 work in stills and auto-inflammatory diagnosis? More likely so. So anyway, good, very good question. Um, I think these days, um, I'm probably using more anakin right out of the gate, um, but I probably could easily use methotrexate if I were in a situation where cost containment was important. Um, 
Dr. Abelis, um, I presented an abstract at the AC, ACR, uh, at the ACR indicated a PMR was rarely associated with fever. Well, that's true. Um, it's not a common manifestation of it. PMR, I would say, is a seldom uh, the cause of an FUO. GCA, on the other hand, more commonly. So I, whenever I include GCA, temporal arteritis, I'll always throw in PMR because PMR patients may have fever and you'll find plenty of reports in the literature saying PMR uh, presenting as an FUO. They're out there, but I agree that GCA, temporal arteritis, is a more common cause of an FUO that could be still confused with Stills disease. And guess what? They're gonna be old. Stills disease doesn't occur in people over the age of 65. They're gonna be white. Stills disease is in all races, all sexes, and is usually in much younger people. Um, <laughs> FB3, um, you are a special person, FB1 or FB2. Do all COVID patients intubated, uh, or should they be given a biologic? I think a COVID patient these days who ends up in, in the ICU is gonna get immediately put on uh, anti-malarial, either chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. I think if they have widespread um, pulmonary manifestations or get intubated, I think they're quickly going on an IL-6 inhibitor, if not uh, in a study with an IL-1 inhibitor. Um, I know of a patient that uh, they waited until the IL-6 levels to come back before they started the tocilizumab. Yet, at presentation, the patient's CRP level was 500 milligrams per liter. Gigantic, gigantic. And I said, wake up. Where do you think the CRP is coming from? It's all IL-6. And yes, the patient did have tremendous IL-6 levels um, and should have been given Actemra um, two days earlier. But nonetheless, the, I think that patient has done well. Um, Mr. Anonymous says, what are your thoughts about remdesivir and IL-6 or IL-1 inhibition together? Obviously not in Stills disease. You're lapsing into a corona discussion, but um, I think all of those are experimental therapies. Let me go back to the previous question from uh, uh, one of my colleagues about the use of um, a, a biologic in patients with, in the ICU with pulmonary manifestation cytokine storm. If you get uh, the corona infection and you don't have severe respiratory distress, you know how you're going to be managed? You're not going to be put on hydroxychloroquine. Um, you're going to just stay home and you're gonna monitor your symptoms and treat symptoms symptomatically. ID specialists are not starting those patients on hydroxychloroquine or remdesivir or uh, Actemra. So I, I think that these drugs are basically being used in the most severe cases, usually under um, direct observation in the hospital and or in ICU. That's talking about the coronavirus infected patients. Uh, Dr. Horvath, those with hyperferritinemia um, is there a certain level that's concerning when it's five to 10,000 or more is Stills disease more likely than, than a malignancy or an iron overload situation? No, it is not. There's no number which Stills disease is more concerning. The higher the number, the more I'm concerned about macrophage activation syndrome. What's happening to their white count? Is it dropping when it was high? What's happening to their platelet count when it was high and now it's dropping? What's happening to the sed rate? It was high and now it's dropping. The patient's looking worse. The lungs are looking worse. The liver is going down the toilet. It's MAS. I think, again, ferritin is a great measure to use. Um, it is not the biomarker for stills. The stills biomarker are their symptoms, the key symptoms that we talked about. Aldolase levels, 
the neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio, saturate and CRP, yeah, sure, ferritin, but use ferritin as a tool about how much you're going to worry about the risk of MAS. Um, IVIG might be useful for um, COVID-associated uh, uh, ADE antibody-dependent enhancement from neutralization antibodies with SARS. Yeah, I, but, I, but um, Gene, IVIG and COVID would be experimental, and, um, and now we're trying to find a niche for it. I would not be recommending it as a rheumatologic consultant. You're welcome to, not me. I'm not on that list. Um, Dr. Quinette at the Oxner Clinic, how are you, Robert? Uh, any evidence of heterozygosity for the autoinflammatory genes in uh, stills or uh, systemic JIA? No, but it has been shown that patients diagnosed mainly with systemic JIA, when they do undergo uh, genetic testing, you can find a known autoinflammatory diagnosis in as much as I think 10 to 20% of patients, mainly correcting the diagnosis. I don't think it is a, a heterozygous presentation of a known uh, genetic defect that is leads to a more confused diagnosis of Stills disease. I think that Again, when the more atypical the patient is, the more you should do genetic testing to confirm the diagnosis of systemic JIA in kids and adults. What's my first go-to drug in stills? Um, it always depends, but steroids, 80 milligrams a day, 60 milligrams a day, um, uh, IV solumedrol, 40 BID if they're in the hospital, and then based on what's going on, uh, you know, you could even use methotrexate and high-dose steroids in patients who have LFTs that are up to four or five times normal because correcting inflammation will correct that. Most people are afraid to do it when LFTs are that high. Most people with LFTs that high might use prednisolone over prednisone because it's less metabolized by the liver. Um, but again, my go-to is high-dose steroids and I, I probably would use more anakinra uh, uh, as my first choice, especially in someone who is hospitalized. Um, let's see. Um, so in a patient who has intermittent fevers for three days, um, but negative FMF testing and no other causes of fever, but has the right ethnicity, meaning of Mediterranean origin, would you consider a colchicine trial? Sure, it's easy. It's well tolerated. Why not do it? Um, I might even consider after that a trial of, of anakinra. Um, the problem is that uh, FMF, the attacks last one to three days. They can almost always be prevented by colchicine or treated with acute steroids rather than using an IL-1 inhibitor or other agents to manage FMF. So I think that's, a, that's certainly a, a, um, a smart thing to do uh, just based on the duration of the fever. Um, I used Ilaris in one traps and one anic and uh, in one stills after anakinra, and yeah, it works after anakinra. And and IL-1 inhibition actually the early data on uh, traps was they didn't respond to infliximab, but they do respond to etanercept. Guess what, folks? They have way better responses. I think 50% of them respond to TNF inhibition, etanercept, but like 80, 90% respond to IL-1 inhibition, either anakinra or canakinumab, or um, rolonicept is the other one. Rolonicept just happens to be ungodly expensive at more than $250,000 for a year's supply. Canakinumab, um, uh, uh, over 100,000 is still quite expensive. And, and anakinra, I don't know what the recent cost is, but it's probably closer to 60,000 
a year for daily anakinra in someone who needs it. Um, Blau syndrome, I'm not the expert, uh, 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 Barat. I wish I could answer that for you, but um, you're gonna have to read up on that. Maybe someday I'll write about it. Um, what is the role of JAK inhibitors, if any, in stills or systemic JIA? I would use them. Um, I have used them to manage um, MAS in someone who could not be uh, could not get cyclosporin and or um, etoposide, and it worked really well. Uh, I was able to um, stop the patient's IL-6 inhibitor and continue them on methotrexate and JAK inhibitor and control their fevers and get them out of MAS. But again, this is experimental. I don't. I mean, there are trials I think that people would like to do here. The problem is. Trials in systemic JIA and adult stills are very difficult to do because it still is a rare disease. As I said, there are 20 cases this year in Dallas. How many am I going to see in Dallas where all my friends here know I'm interested in this, know I'm the self-declared expert? I might see one or two from the local community, which means that the vast majority of these cases are running out there, are, are, are out there under the care of many different people. So, um, there may be a role for the JAK inhibitors. Will they all be the same? I don't think so, because I think the JAK inhibitors, as you're going to see in the future, have a differential effect on gamma interferon in in vitro studies um, or ex vivo studies, not in real life studies. Um, again, I don't expect real life clinical trials to happen there. Um, let's see, a pulmonologist in the ICU task force, 73 recommended hydroxychloroquine when COVID uh, presented with pneumonia, but not ARDS or CSS. I don't know what CSS is. Pneumonia, but not ARDS. I'm sorry, there's a fine line between those two. It's not surprising. We're talking about severe patients. Again, the patient who stays at home uh, is not getting hydroxychloroquine. If you look at our, our task force, uh, I'm sorry, our town hall we had uh, almost uh, uh, two weeks ago, um, we asked our uh, experts, and including two ID specialists, would they recommend patients go on hydroxychloroquine, our patients go on hydroxychloroquine as prophylaxis? They all said no. Were, were they up, up in arms about the uh, overblown um, uh, effects or supposed effects of hydroxychloroquine? They all said yes. But yet they all said, in response to the question, would you take hydroxychloroquine if you got COVID? They all said yes mainly saying, well, it might help, and, and I know it's safe, and that's why they would use it. So there's a little bit of a paradox there. But again, I think we have to safeguard the stockpile of antimalarials for patients who really need them um, and make those decisions on an individual case-by-case uh, -case basis. I got time for maybe one more question. Um, um, what about steroids? Uh, no, that's a corona question. Um, I'm going to end there um, and thank you for your time and, and taking the time to view this presentation. Be sure to tune in um, for future um, lectures on Tuesday night. I think we've got a, a cast of speakers who are really superb and I think you'll find those worthwhile. Um, I'll post this in the next few days on the website. I'll try to post um, some slides that I can share for you as well. Have a good night. Tune into Room Now. Bye now.